0: This is Tim Albright with AV Nation, uh, celebrating Black History Month, uh, talking about uh, the Black experience within the AV industry. And with me is my very good friend, Alicia Henley. Welcome, ma'am.
1: What's happening, Tim? Happy to be back. Uh,
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, You know her as Smooth Factor, but she also works for uh, a good buddy of mine, Hagai Finer, over at Access Networks. Um, you before that, you were uh, an end user, tech manager. Uh, you had various number of, of, of just different um, entries into the industry. Uh, so just in general, um, how did you get involved? How did you get into the industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was in AV all my life and didn't know that I was in AV. Um, it started, you know, with me and my dad just messing around with some soundboards. boards. Uh, he was trying to get his church up and running. And uh, next thing I knew, I was, I was so into audio. That, that was like my first love behind basketball at that time. And uh, kind of just ran with it. He taught me the ropes. He was an audio engineer uh, before he became a pastor within a church. So once he can no longer fill that role, couldn't preach and run audio. So I kind of stepped up, learned at a pretty young age, and we, we took that show on the road. And it led to uh, building building really great experiences in the house of worship. And when we moved from our original state down south to Texas, um, he did start a church there. We were up and running, but also I got into consulting within houses of worship because other churches saw what we were doing and kind of wanted to take that and incorporate it within their own spaces. But they were running into the issue of only having volunteers, not necessarily people that were trained. Uh, So I did consulting within house of worship and stayed with my dad's church from there um, I actually had to go to school because people were like oh where did you go to school and I was like I didn't go to school <laughs> like what's what's school so I ended up going to a trade school there in Houston Texas called Media Tech. Um, that was it was very intuitive but it was also very based off of studio work um, so I kind of had to pivot a little bit and I always knew that live sound was my thing I got the goosebumps every time I stepped behind a board um, but with school you had to find artists to record to kind of get your grade. Um, So then I started building out a label, a publishing company. um, And then I realized I was more into it than a lot of artists. And I was an audio engineer with no artists to record. And I was like, well, what can I do with this? You know, use the power of the internet, get on Indeed and stuff like that. And then this was where I kind of found the more traditional, traditional sense of AV because I got into working with AV companies that were in hotels. And I was like, ah, okay. And then we were doing a lot of corporate settings. And I was like, there's a whole industry of this. And then that led me to the Berry Center where I was a part of that in-house AV team um, there in Texas. And that was just an experience unlike any other, because that multi-purpose facility really opened, really opened some doors for me, being able to work with so many different systems and so many different venues under one roof. And that's really where it took off. So I kind of, leveraged what I was doing there, started blogging and vlogging and all that stuff. And, you know, using my technical chops and balance, balancing out with the social networking and kind of just continuing to co- climb the ladder to where I am now at Access Networks uh, as a sales engineer.
0: Talk about the, the, the Berry Center for a second, because you mentioned the fact that there's so many venues and so many different um, experiences under one roof. For yeah. somebody who's never been really a tech manager or, or worked with facilities and worked with, you know, the type of multi-purpose center... What does that mean? It's so many different, you know, what what is it? How many are we talking about? And, and what are the different types of, of system? Did you help both, you know, maintain design, but also upkeep?
1: Yeah, so that space was really fun because before I moved down to Texas, I had no idea high school football could be as big as what it was. And so it's like you walk into this huge space that, you know, is built and owned by a school district for every, every Uh, school to come in and do their school plays whether it was play football or you know graduations or proms. so you had this one space that had a large conference center um, a theater an arena and then the stadium and being a part of these systems and trying to connect all these spaces so all of our team could kind of run cohesively was was a huge challenge because that's where I found out about Dante Um, that's when all of our digital signage started being connected over the network. And, you know, so it was really, uh, it was fun. It was challenging and it was engaging because a lot of our gear was transitioning from analog to digital. And we had to make all of these individual spaces live together um, and create different experiences all at the same time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I want to walk you through a couple of things. You mentioned the the social media and and the blogging. When you first started hitting the social media and you first started hitting um, the, the blogging arena, did, did you have a sense of what you would accomplish there? Did you have a sense of of connecting with as many people as you have so far?
1: So I technically was already doing it just in another space, um, because when I was really into the music scene, um, that's how I got involved and became a, a manager getting involved with, um, music events and being brand ambassador for music festivals. So I was like, okay, this is really no different. When I found, you know, Chris Netto and AV Twiggy and you, I was like, okay, this is no different, just another yeah. community. Um, but the blogging is what changed, changed it for me because I wasn't doing that, um, I wasn't doing that beforehand. So I was like, okay, Tim's got a site. Maybe I could write for him. And uh, that was my first vlog. And then it kind of, SoundGirls saw what we were doing. Then I started writing for Sound Girls. But at first, no, I did not know where it was going. It was like, okay, let's see what's happening. Like I'm doing really cool things and I just want to show people like, hey, you can get into audio, whether it's from broadcasting or running theater or even in a conference center in a more corporate setting. So I had kind of set out to, highlight what I was doing, but I didn't know what all was going to come with it. I was like, we'll see what happens. And uh, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. Cause I'm, you know, I don't have a writer's background. So I had the link, I had the link with you guys and get the editing and all that stuff to make it what it was. Uh, but I'm glad I took the risk and uh, kept highlighting what I was doing.
0: I am too. I am too. Um, so let, let's talk about, you know, some of the, 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 hurdles that you've kind of overcome and the, the, the areas that you kind of faced, um, common questions that were that we're asking this this month, you know, you're a, a Black woman in a predominantly white male industry, right? What are some of the things and some of the things that you've faced and, and how have you overcome some of those hurdles?
1: I, I read this question over and over and over again, so I'm not going to lie to you because I was like, how do I even, how do I even answer this, right? Because um, like, like we kind of briefly discussed before we hit record, like I used to shy away from these conversations. Uh, simply because, you know, I'm I'm almost every point of diversity, you know, I, I, I'm in a lot of these points of diversity. So I've never um, approached a single one. I've just constantly fought adversity. So I mean, I can tell you stories of me going in and programming a system, like from top to bottom, actually installing it and setting it up for an event, and not being able to work it because I don't look the part. I had to hand over the system to the white guy, you know, because he He looked the par for that event. You know, I've been let go from some churches once they found out about my sexuality. I have, you know, like it's it's a constant struggle, but I think my super, my superpower is I'm super resilient. And I think that's everybody in our community. The black culture is super resilient. Like if you look at your favorite athletes, most of them, you know, Michael Jordan all the way to Muhammad Ali, like they just never quit. And that's part of our culture. Uh, We never quit. So of course I faced a lot of challenges. I could have looked at them as, Oh, you're discriminating me. Or I could have, I've could have taken that to heart. And at some points I did, I would go home and cry, but tomorrow's a new day. And I tweet that quite a lot, like new day, new opportunities. Let's start over. Let's go get it. Um, And that's, that's always been my, my perspective with anything.
0: When you're talking with, with young people and and not that you're Old by any stretch of the imagination, but but you you have been in the industry for a minute, so there are people younger than you coming up behind you. Mm-hmm. What kind of advice do you give them? What, you know, when it comes to either whether it's a person of color, it's a you know LGBT w- 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 or anybody um, who who is facing um, discrimination, you know, um, how would you advise them as they enter this industry um, to you know not just to overcome but to but to thrive in this industry?
1: For sure, you can't give up. Yeah, it's okay to be hurt. It's it's okay to be upset. Cause I find myself being angry, and that's and that's why I don't have these conversations, right? Cause I I've had a hard time over the years controlling my anger or my emotions, and I always find myself trying not to be that that angry black woman or you know stereotype that comes with that. So I always tell people to check check your emotions at the door. Like things are gonna happen. Our world has improved, but not that much. Uh, so be ready to face it. Be ready to go home, check yourself, and come back and prove your, t- your yourself ten times better. Right? Yeah, I had to go in and set everything up and hand it over to somebody who looked the par, But eventually, they tell on themselves. Like he didn't—he didn't have my experience. He—he he didn't know how to operate it once it was set up. So it's like you're constantly trying to prove yourself. But don't look at it that way. Look at you bettering yourself and just keep going. Like stay resilient, stay gritty and just keep scrapping because, um, there are Tim's there, you know, there's a a Tim out there that'll give you an opportunity to do something that'll change your life.
0: As we wrap up here, uh, I mentioned the fact that you are not that old. So you've got a number of years ahead of you before you retire, but when you do, uh, when Alicia Henley, uh, hangs it up and you look back on your career and you look back on the industry, what do you want to see have changed? Uh, in the industry and how do you and what hand do you want to have in it?
1: I was I was tech, I was talking with Alexis Labore uh, about this and I was like I didn't used to believe this phrase if they can't see you they can't be you, right I did not believe that because there was plenty of times where I saw no one who looked like me until I met Charmaine and Alexis and I was like oh snap they there are people in executive roles, you know, doing amazing things. I can be an executive before the age of 35 or 40. So I kind of set a personal goal for myself, but, um, in the bigger scope of things, I just want to be, I just want to inspire, right? Somebody sees me on this podcast and they look like me, then boom, I've, I've done my job. I've, 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 accomplish something here on earth and I really just want to inspire it's and show other people that you can do it because audio put me in the game but audio was just like a foot in the door there's so many other things that you can follow behind audio and it's kind of like the more you know the more you grow so I just want to be an example and show people that you don't have to be in a studio um, you don't have to be in tv you don't have to be a corporate just follow whatever your dream is and and let's keep going I just want to inspire.
0: All right. Before I let you go, uh, if you follow Alicia Henley, and you should on social media, uh, at least once a day, she will, she will make the comment of you have to rise and grind. Let's go. Um, if someone has not, if they've followed you, but don't know exactly what that means, I'm going to give you the time right here to explain rise and grind.
1: So a lot of people actually thought that was like my thing. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's, that's a part of Black culture. Like that is something that you would see Puff Daddy or, or Diddy to, you know, saying back in the day in like 95, you know, and then Mr. John, he dropped his, you know, he dropped his book, Rise and Grind. Like that is legit a part of the culture. It's not necessarily doing something that you don't want to do, but it's the fact that you get up every day and you take one step closer to where you ultimately want to be. So that's that's what, I, that's what I get up and do every day. If I could just do one single thing each day that gets me closer to a goal, then I'm good. So that's really what Rise and Grind means to me. I used to be one of those people that was like team no sleep and that wasn't working. So I, had to, I was like, yo, let's just get up and get to it and, and make it happen. So that's what Rise and Grind is all about. I didn't create that. It was just something that I personally was tweeting every day to motivate myself. And then people were like, you know, catching on to it. And I was like, okay, this is helping other people. So let's just keep the ball rolling. Cause it's, it's never about us. Everything is about people, whether you're in sales, technology, you know, it's all about people. So rise and grind.
0: Rise and grind. All right. Alicia Henley, thank you so much, ma'am. And thank you uh, for, I mean, I, I virtually met you uh, way before I ever met you in person and was so incredibly thrilled to meet you in person. So. Uh, so very glad to know you and, and be a friend. Um, how do people connect with you uh, if they haven't already?
1: Um, at the Smooth Factor on every platform except like Snapchat and TikTok. Don't don't tell Megan I said that because she hates that I am not on TikTok.
0: But how are you not on TikTok? <laughs> I don't know. Megan Megan Dutta is from SCN. How are you? She's on TikTok. You're not.
1: (laughs) I can't get with TikTok. I mean, I I, I basically watch it on Instagram anyways, because now they have reels and everybody puts their TikToks there. But yeah, I don't have a TikTok or Snapchat, but at The Smooth Factor on every platform. And of course, uh, TheSmoothFactor.com
0: all right very good alicia henley thank you so much uh for us for can go by our website avianation.tv that's avianation.tv you will find interviews like this uh all the month of february celebrating black history all that and more at avianation.tv that's avianation.tv